Well, good morning, everybody. It's great to be here and what an opportunity to share uh, with women in ministry. Our first presenter this morning is Pastor Jody Eddy. Um, Jody graduated from Avondale in 2008 and for the past eight years has been working in the Victorian Conference. She has worked at the Burwood Adventist Community Church, Nunawading Christian College, Mont Albert Church, and is currently working in Warburton, at the Warburton Church. Um, I had the privilege, actually, of first meeting Jody as a student here at Avondale when I was teaching one of the classes in the theology department. And um, Jody was an excellent student. Um, I guess uh, the fact that uh, a family member was a, a long-time supporter of the St George Football Club endeared her immediately to me and um, ensured that she received one of the best marks in the class. <laughs> Prior to coming to ministry, uh, Jody had worked as a project manager for the Queensland Department of Treasury and an executive assistant in the Queensland Department of Main Roads. And in 2006, she was awarded the Australia Day Award for Outstanding Achievement with the Queensland Treasury. We look forward, Jody, to what you have to share with us about the journey of being a woman in ministry. Thank you. Would you welcome Jody? Thanks, Brian. With um, an introduction like that, you start to feel a little bit nervous. Not only that introduction, but with what Lyle was saying, there are a lot of women in ministry and they do a marvellous job and so it's an honour to be invited to speak in front of you this morning. Um, you know, sharing your own story can feel a little bit harder than sharing what you would normally share, Bible stories, because it's a bit more personal. So this morning I guess I'm inviting you on my journey. I'm showing you glimpses of what happens um, not everything, but a little bit of a glimpse, and so um, let's get on that journey together. You know, it's funny how feelings of nervousness and excitement can be mixed together. But that's the combination of feelings I had when I walked for the first time through the church door as a pastor. I was nervous because I'd moved to a new city, starting a new job, and I was by myself. Didn't really know anyone. But I was excited for the opportunities that were just beginning. It was all unknown and that was exciting too. And so I entered that church feeling that wonderful combination of feelings. You know, in my final year of college here, I spent quite a bit of time praying praying for what would happen after I graduated because nothing's guaranteed. But I prayed for a church and I prayed for a mentor and indeed I was blessed. In my first six months of living in Melbourne, I only had Sabbath lunch by myself once and even on that time I had been invited somewhere but I was tired and exhausted and I needed rest and so I said no. So I was really blessed with being looked after during that time. 
But something happened at that six-month mark that changed absolutely everything. We had um, a big church social and the church had invited Peter Dixon um, and his band to come down and, and to run the social. And I spent the afternoon with Peter and we were talking about many different things. But one of the things that I was sharing was my experience in ministry and I was an intern, very new, but I was also sharing how I would dearly like to be in a relationship. Now, sharing that bit of information was either a mistake or the best thing that I've ever done. Later that night um, at the social, Peter called all the single men of the church up to the front and I started to feel butterflies and not those kind that are sort of like signifying that you're excited but the kind that make you feel sick. My stomach was churning and I found myself in my very own dating game. You think bachelorette meets a perfect match. Peter put these men through a series of challenges from answering questions to practicing hugging me to singing to me until it came down to the final two. And the church was absolutely loving it. You know, when you're a pastor, people seem to get a little bit more involved in your life than they otherwise might. They take that bit more of an interest. And seeing as I was a single woman who had recently turned 30, well, let's just say there was a lot of questions about dating and men. So Peter got the church to cheer for the winner and whoever got the loudest cheer won. Well, that night's winner now happens to be my husband. <laughs> yep, um, Peter likes to take quite a bit of credit for that. And I'll give him, you know, credit where credit's due. But to be honest, there was interest between the two of us, between Tim and I, before that night. But I do think that night kind of gave Tim a little bit more courage to actually ask the pastor out on a date. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun and it's a story that we love to share. You know, and so Tim and I got married in 2010 we had our son Seth in 2011 and in 2013 our daughter Estelle arrived and so here we are. I entered ministry as a single woman. I met my husband at my first church and I continue in ministry now as a mother of two small children who are here today and by the way as we were walking in my son Seth said, can I preach today mum? <laughs> so if he runs up the front you'll know what's going on. Looking back, I can see how God prepared me to work for him in a number of ways. But there is one main experience which I can say led me on this path. I got involved in planning a church in Brisbane, in the northern suburbs, and we were blessed to having a wonderful pastor who really was into mentoring. And there was also a team of mature, experienced adults who really invested in a group of us that were in our 20s. And they empowered us to lead. Most of my experience in church was where 20% of the people do 80% of the work. But when you're in a church plant, you need all hands on deck. And it was in this environment that I glimpsed what it really means to be part of a priesthood of all believers. In 1 Peter 
chapter 2 and verse 9, Peter explains, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness and into the wonderful light. I believe God gave us church for a reason, for many reasons, but one of those reasons I believe is for community. You know, so each one of us could find belonging, companionship, creative expression, combined worship, strength and love. But so many of us don't experience church like that. You know, the idea of being part of a holy nation, a chosen people, a royal priesthood, not only calls us into something that's bigger than ourselves, it should call us into action. When we're basking in God's light, we are all equal and we all have a part to play. Differences should fade away as we focus on our connection through Jesus Christ. As Galatians 3.28 puts it, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. What's more is that we know that we're made in the image of God, yet we're all different. So to me that says that together, combined, we reflect God. Isn't that beautiful? At my church plant, there was the expectation to get involved, but it wasn't only an expectation, there was also an invitation and permission to get involved in whatever you wanted to. There was a belief that you could make it happen, that you could turn a dream into a reality. I'd been working for the Queensland Government since I graduated from unity, uh, university first time around. And a friend and mentor had said to me, where do you see yourself next? And I said, I don't know. And normally I had a career plan in place. I, I normally knew what step I needed to take to get where I wanted to go. But on this time, I was blank. And as I was walking back to work, I heard a small voice in my mind say, you know where to go next, to ministry. By this time, I'd been the head elder of my church for two years and I was 27. I fought the call in my head for quite some time. I prayed, seeking another course of action. Surely I could work for God where I was. I sought the advice of my spiritual mentors. I talked to them about it. What did they think? I asked them to pray for me. Was this really where God was telling me to go? Surely it wasn't. Surely it was to stay here. But it all came back to one thing, and that was doing God's will and not my own. I knew the path would be hard, and I thought I'd have to travel it alone. And I also knew that as a female, there would be some added challenges along the way. Each of us experience different seasons during our lives. Similar to the seasons of summer, autumn, winter and spring, we have times that are filled with joy and happiness, times of change and adjustment, times of loss and times of growth. And during the past six years, I've experienced three seasons, each with their unique joys and challenges. 
Avondale College has a reputation for being a place to go if you want to get married. Many Adventist families began here. But while I was studying theology, I was very much aware of my singleness. I felt there was an underlying expectation that ministry is done best if you're married. And I'll admit that I felt uncomfortable. And I prayed that God would bring a partner into my life. However, I found support and comfort in a group of single women. These girls weren't fellow theologians, but they warmed my heart and they supported me every step of the way. They listened to me, practiced my sermons. They helped me study my Greek and God blessed me with friendship. As graduation came around, I discovered that being single was actually a blessing, especially when I compared myself to my married counterparts. When interviews were conducted, there was only me to talk to, only me to consider. I wasn't part of a package. The girls who were married found that the interview often focused on their husbands and not themselves. It seems that it's still expected that a wife will follow a husband much easier than a husband will follow a wife. Once I entered full-time ministry, I put all my energy into work. It was lonely at times, being in a new city, finding my way in a new job. And at my very first minister's meetings, as I was being introduced to the pastoral team, there was a joke about setting me up with one of the ministers. And I'm so glad it went over my head at the time because I would have turned bright red for sure, which would have been quite embarrassing. But I think single pastors often face this question, when are you going to find someone? When are you going to couple up? And I was also conscious that being single, you have to be careful who you befriend. You know, while my male colleagues were always very nice, I felt there was a barrier. I get it though, you know, male and female friendships can be tricky at the best of times. But that meant that where I had hoped to feel camaraderie, I felt separate. And again, I looked to established friendships to support me. And I'll admit that some of my closest friends are not connected to church, though I'm still trying to connect them, I'll admit. There is beauty in being single. You generally have more time to yourself and there's no one else to consider, so you can give as much as you want. And there is also a growing number of single people in our church. And when you are single or were single for quite some time, you understand, you have an insight into what that's like because it's not always easy. And it gives you a natural connection with others in that situation. Imagine a church that is inclusive. A church that doesn't let its fears hold us back but embraces all the different types of people who are searching not only for the light but for belonging. Imagine a church that is accepting of all marital statuses and that offers true friendship to all who walk through its very doors. Imagine the impact of this type of church. God answered many prayers when he brought Tim into my life. And starting that relationship was wonderful, though I do think it took Tim a little bit of time to understand what it really meant to date a pastor. There was a lot of interest in our relationship while we were dating, and um, I can say he handled it really well. And it wasn't long and we got married. But I want to share with you, there seems to be expectations that are placed 
on pastor's wives. But people aren't quite sure what to do with a pastor's husband sometimes. They are often not included in pastoral spouse events and even when they are included, it's often something that they might not feel comfortable doing like a lady's high tea. <laughs> True story. <laughs> Tim has the amazing ability though to make friends with people wherever he goes without even trying. I can remember being a guest speaker at one church and in between Sabbath school and church, I needed to speak to the elders about the program and Tim just came up to me and said, oh, I'm just ducking outside so you know where I am. Someone's asked me to look at their car. I said, oh, okay. Um, that never happens to me, <laughs> thankfully. <laughs> but out he went and he came back and he had offers of bike riding and four-wheel driving. And it only took him three minutes for him to get an invite surfing from one of my colleagues that I had tried to befriend. And he doesn't even like surfing. But being married has given me insight into what it's like to share your life closely with another person. And it's another connection I can now make in ministry. You know, being in relationship is not always easy. And how to navigate that often comes up with people when you meet with them. Imagine a church that supports relationships. A church that doesn't put pressure on tasks and what needs to be done, but puts people first. Imagine a church that not only protects marriages but models great ones. Imagine the impact of this type of church. Motherhood has brought on the most interesting and challenging season of them all and it's so exciting to be expecting your first child and it's like this delicious little secret to begin with and then the excitement grows as you start to share it with your family and your friends and your church and it's also a little terrifying as you can't fully prepare for it. You hope that the birth will go well and you hope that you'll be a good parent. But until you're actually faced with it, you don't know what you're made of. Pretty similar to ministry, actually. After Seth was born, I made an interesting discovery about myself. Out of everything that ministry requires, it was preaching that I missed the most. I think this was because I was still connected to the people. I would still check in on them and visit them, even though I was on maternity leave. And so I started preaching again on occasion, and when Seth was nine months old, I returned to work part-time. Now, returning to work was an interesting process. A field pastor hadn't taken maternity leave in Victoria before, and of the ones that they knew of in other conferences, no one had yet returned. So there was no set way of doing things and we had to make up as we went along. In December, we started the motions for me to return to work and it wasn't until April that I actually started working again. It felt like no one had expected me to return to work. In fact, one of my colleagues had said to me when I was pregnant that some of the guys were saying that I should stop working altogether. I needed to be proactive in returning. You know, I don't feel that they didn't want me to return. It's just that no one had done it there before and so it wasn't part of the thinking. It took courage to initiate some of those conversations. But by the time I went on maternity leave the second time, it was so much easier and they knew to expect me back. Juggling young children and work was a big learning curve. 
During the week, week was relatively easy. I say relatively. But Sabbath got a little bit trickier to navigate. Babies and children have this uncanny knack for needing you just at the time you're about to preach or when somebody is telling you something really important. Now, pastors face this all the time, but when you happen to be mum and the primary caregiver, it's often you that they want. Sometimes only mum will do. So there have been many times when I've been preaching and Seth has come up the front to see me or when I've been holding a baby in my arms as I'm closing with benediction. Or I get slightly distracted when I'm preaching because I can hear it's my child that is crying. It's tricky, but it's beautiful. And it's beautiful for many reasons. And one of the reasons is the message that it sends. I have had so many mums come up to me after church on these occasions and tell me, that they're thankful that I'm keeping it real. That they like to see me, including my children. It shows that I'm wearing two hats. When I'm up the front preaching, I clearly have my pastor's hat on. But when I respond to my crying child, or I'm including my children in a scripture reading or a prayer, I've also got my mother's hat on too. You know, none of us really ever wear only one hat. Each of us have many facets to our personalities and a huge variety in our capabilities. It's near impossible to wear one hat at a time. Imagine a church that values people, a church that seeks to understand all your different capabilities and talents. Imagine a church that not only talks about being the body of Christ, but is the body of Christ. That values people no matter what their age. Where we have true intergenerational worship. Imagine the impact of this type of church. Our church has been very blessed by God. Being part of a worldwide movement is incredible. And the way this movement has grown from a small group of people in America to what it is today can only be God-inspired. And I can say I am so honoured to work as a pastor in the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Being female has meant at times that I've had to find my own way, that I've had to be proactive and initiate conversations, that I've had to seek support outside and that I've had to navigate these different seasons, often on my own. However, I know that I am valued. I know that I'm not alone. I know that I've been called by God. And I know that even though mistakes are made along the way, they are only that, mistakes and not mortal wounds. There is a pull between my role as mother, as a wife, as a friend, and my role as a pastor. However, it's the same pull that we all feel if we listen close enough. There are times when I need to put my children's needs ahead of my church's needs, but I do my best and I do it with love, no matter which hats I'm wearing. God has chosen each one of us to be part of his people, to be his royal priesthood. Sure, certain people are called to be pastors, but everybody 
is called into ministry. It is only when we are combined that together we can reflect God. It is only through the effort of each of us that we can be a church that is inclusive, a church that supports relationships and that a church that values all people of all ages. I have seen glimpses of this church. I have been part of this church. And I believe God is growing us, that he is continually refining us and that he is directing us because we are his church. There are many people, too many people, who are still living in the dark. Together, let's keep calling them into his wonderful light. Imagine the impact of this church. Thank you.